I'm Jan Gibbons. And I'm Bob Gibbons. Oh, wait a minute. You're what? not going off the script. I'm not allowed to speak until after the intro? <laughs> when you see the applause sign, that's when you jump in. <laughs> I have yet to see that on this podcast. <laughs> okay. I'm Jan Gibbons, Silence with Riata Commercial Realty, here to present to you today another fascinating episode of Confessions of a Recovering Landlord podcast. And you're just riffing this with no script. I'm you. impressed. <laughs> Who knows what we're getting today? <laughs> We're going to talk about hidden things. Uh oh. What? That's it for the intro? <laughs> You're not going to tell them what kind of thing? When I are go hidden? like that, you hit the music. <laughs> All right. I said we were going to talk about hidden things, like hidden costs, scary things that reach out from you to you from the grave. I mean, the lease. You're talking like treasure? No. Hidden money? No, this is treasure for the landlord, and we represent tenants. Oh. But we can talk about the kinds of expenses in an office lease that aren't obvious, i.e. hidden. While rent and common area maintenance are the big obvious charges, there could be many other potential expenses that could surprise you. And today, we're here to flesh them out so you're not surprised. Take it away, Billy Bob. (laughs) Okay. Well, the first one you mentioned was rent. And you're right. That's that's an obvious one. I mean, every lease has rent. And, well, I shouldn't say everyone. I have had a couple where it's been zero, but that's rare. Uh, so usually this is going to be based on a, um, you know, a dollar per square foot, dollar amount per month, whatever. So there's really not any hidden cost in that. But the reason I'm, I still have this on my list is because there is usually an increase every year in most leases for office buildings. And, and we're going to focus on office buildings. Uh, some of these, will, you know, we'll talk about other product types, but whether it's office buildings or warehouses, there's almost always some sort of a rent escalator, a base rent escalator. That could be a certain amount per month, uh, per year. So after the first year, it goes up by, say, 50 cents a square foot. It could go up by 3%. Or sometimes it's tied to some third-party index, like the consumer price index or the producer's price index, something like that. So all that's clearly spelled out in the lease, but a lot of times tenants don't really think about it or plan on that um, in a proactive way. So it can still surprise them. Okay. Late fees and default. Well, late late fees and interest uh, is basically just, I mean, that's totally in the control of the tenant. But again, it's surprising if they're not, if they didn't pay their rent by a particular date, then the landlord has the option to not only charge them a late payment penalty, which could be 5% or even 10%, or it could be a fixed dollar amount, depending on how the lease is written, of you know that's due. So 10% of the amount that should have been paid. So if your rent was $10,000 that month and you didn't pay it and you have a 10% penalty, well, now you just ha- incurred another $1,000 um, penalty. And usually that kicks in after five or 10 days after it's been um, due and hasn't been paid. But then the landlord can also charge interest until it's paid. So if you don't pay on the 10th, let's say, and they can charge you that $1,000 on the 11th, 
then you don't pay till the 25th. Well, guess what? They can charge you interest from the day it was due on the 1st until the 25th at whatever the interest rate is allowed in the lease. And a lot of times that's going to be stated as the highest legal amount that they can charge or 18% is what I... point below usury. (laughs) That's what I see most often. And Uh, obviously we're talking in normal circumstances. Oh, I forgot. Or, hey, I'm trying to ride the landlord. We're not talking about COVID. We're not talking about forgiveness or forbearance or any of those kind of things. This is strictly, oh my gosh, I forgot to write the rent check. Well, or maybe you didn't forget. You're just... You're you're riding the landlord. Well, you haven't... Yeah, you haven't received income from your clients, and uh, so you haven't been able to do it. The one other thing uh, I'm going to mention here, though, as long as we're in the rent and late payment penalty situation, is if you actually go into default, and and I'm not going to go into that in much detail here, but there's a difference between being late on rent and being in default. Mm-hmm. Being late on rent, and you have to pay that late payment penalty and or interest, that's kind of a slap on the wrist. But if you're in default, the landlord has remedies and they're not and they happy. will use them <laughs> they are not good remedies and one of those remedies could be that any free rent you got when you signed the lease is now due and payable and so even if that was 3 years ago and you got a few months of free rent that may be due and payable along with other things that the landlord may be able to charge you can't they also terminate the lease uh, Again, it depends on how the lease is written, but they have a lot of options. Mm-hmm. Terminating the lease is one of them, accelerating all the rent that was due and Ouch. making it payable now. I mean, there's all kinds of things that that could include. Okay. Well, we're not going to go in depth on the next one. We do want to touch on it and say that we're going to have an in-depth podcast all about operating expenses. Yeah, it's a pretty hairy uh, topic, so we're not going to go into much detail on this, but just suffice it to say for now that... Most leases have a provision for the landlord to pass through expenses of the building, the common well, expenses of the building let to me stop tenants. You real quick, the tenant always pays the operating expenses. They're just listed separately. If you have a full gross lease where you're paying 20 bucks a square foot and that's all you pay, trust me, the operating expenses are baked in there. They're built in, yeah. So, so they always pay it. We're just talking about how it's shown up in the lease. Well, and and not just how it shows up in the lease, but how it can increase over time. Mm-hmm. And again, just like we talked about rent being able to be increased over time and tenants not really uh, noticing or focused on being focused on that. Same thing with operating expenses. So my main comment here is, you know, if you, regardless how the lease is renting, whether it's a triple net lease or a base year lease, you want to make sure that there's some sort of limitation on the amount by which they can increase from one year to the next, if possible, if you have that power to negotiate that. And a couple a couple of things to note here, um, management fees, for example, a lot of times it just says, hey, management fees are one of the things in the operating expenses, which is normal. But you might want to put in not to exceed some percentage of collected rent. Because if you have a situation where you have it, uh, let's say it's a third-party property management company, meaning it's not managed by the landlord owner, uh, and so it's been competitively bid, well, they may be paying as little as 1% to 3% of collected rents as a management fee. But guess what? They sell the building to somebody who's going to manage it themselves. And now they see that as a profit center because they can pass all that through to the tenant. Now they're going to charge 5%. So a lot of times you're going to want to try and get a limitation on the amount of the management fees. And then the other thing is I'll mention is a lot of times we'll we'll try and get an audit 
right for the tenant, where if they get a bill from the landlord for the operating expenses, let's say at the end of the year, they can audit the landlord's um, books. Well, there are fees associated with auditing, you know, whether that's going to be that you have to go out and hire a third party CPA firm, let's say, or a, a company that specializes in uh, doing tenant lease audits, um, or whether you do it yourself, you, now you have to have somebody who's an employee doing that and you're paying that employee. So somebody's uh, doing that and that's going to be a fee and the landlord may have um, certain restrictions on that that may influence what that fee is. Yeah, like I said, this is a very in-depth conversation that will require its own podcast, but we just wanted to touch on it briefly today. How about capital improvements? And well, explain exactly what a capital improvement is. Sure. So the difference uh, between an operating expense and a capital improvement should be pretty much the same as it would be in any other business. Uh, an operating expense is something that is a recurring expense year after year, and it's not something that you're doing once every five or 10 or 20 years. So let's say you do maintenance on an HVAC system, an air conditioning system, changing the belts and changing the filters and greasing and lubing it. Well, that's something you do every year, maybe even every quarter. Whereas if you have to totally replace a condenser or a compressor unit, well, that's got something, that's got some life to it. It's going to be something that can be used over many years and therefore it's a capital improvement. So the question here is, is that included in the expenses of the building? Can the landlord amortize that capital improvement cost into the operating expenses? Uh, so it's it's just a cautionary thing to be aware of. Um, it may be totally appropriate for them to do that in some circumstances. We'll talk about that more when we get into the separate podcast about operating expenses. Okay. And now the very most important of all <laughs> is insurance coverage. Ta-da! I threw this one in just for you, for <laughs> nostalgia's sake. Um, okay. Well, let me just say to you, Mr. Happy, you try and go finance a building, buy a building, buy a car, buy a house without insurance coverage. How far are you going to get? Uh, nowhere. Okay. Nowhere, and Keep nor should on. you. Yeah. So the the reason I call I put this into the categories of of hidden costs is that the landlord may require insurance far beyond what you expected or what you've been covering or carrying up to now. And of course, we did a podcast recently <clears throat> with Brian Hudson going through all kinds of stuff uh, insurance related, and we used a real lease showing what those coverages are. So you can go back and find that one in our in our feed. But for now, the main thing is insurance coverages are required in a lease and you should know what that cost is going to be. You should give a copy of that section to your agent. Absolutely. And say, match this as close as you can, because pardon me, but landlords are notorious for not knowing the latest verbiage on what's actually required and what's not required. So they'll request stuff that really can't be purchased anymore. And so you convert it to the newest form that matches what that coverage was. Right. And so the agent will know that. And usually the landlord you know, is agreeable and accepts your certificate of insurance with those coverages on it. Well, and a lot of times the language in the lease will say that if you don't give the landlord that uh, certificate of insurance, uh, or if you go without the right kind of insurance, it could be a default in the lease, or they can actually go buy it on your behalf, and then you pay them back for it. So insurance is definitely a cost that you need to be aware of. Parking. You know, it's funny to me. In Texas, 
people seem to think that parking is a God-given right. You better know it. <laughs> it should not cost me a dime. <laughs> I'm parking my truck there with my <laughs> rifle up in the window, and you ain't saying nothing about it. Yeah, exactly. But the reality is it costs a lot of money to build a parking spot. I remember when I was a landlord, we built a parking lot on land we already owned, and it was a surface parking lot outside, and it cost at that time, this was 20 plus years ago, it probably cost about six to $800 per parking space. And that didn't include the cost of the land. That was just to build the parking. Weren't you just throwing out asphalt and striping it? Well, it was asphalt, curbs, gutters, landscaping, oh, okay. lighting. Okay. I mean, there's a lot to it. because you can't. you said just surface parking. I didn't it was surface had... parking. Well. But, but you got to do all that stuff for surface parking. Depending on what municipality you're in. Uh, no. It doesn't matter what municipality you are in in Texas. Azle, Texas ain't going to care if it's curved. Yeah, they will. Really? Oh, yeah, they will. Trust me. Some of those little towns that are the ones that are the fastest growing and are the most restrictive. Wow. So, yeah. And, and then if you get into uh, a multi-story above ground parking yeah. garage, that can cost as much as $20,000 a spot. And if you go down where you're digging into the ground for a garage underground now, that can increase that to fifty to even $100,000 a space, depending on where you are and what the land costs are. So, yeah, so parking charges are definitely an in issue there. But you know what? That should be specified in the lease mm -hmm. if there's parking associated with the building. We did a lease last year, uh, two years ago, actually, downtown Dallas, where there was no parking that came with the, the building. So the tenants on their own for parking or for, you know, taking the light rail or whatever. So, you know, one of the things I told the tenant right fr up front was, hey, we need to make sure we know what the parking is going to cost so you can evaluate this location compared to the other options you have where they already have parking as part of the, the building. So knowing what that parking charge is going to be is a real big issue. And the one other thing I'll mention here is that when you write the lease, you got to make sure that you have language in the lease where it specifically states what the parking is, parking charges are. And if it's reserved, if it's unreserved, if it's covered, if it's not covered. Exactly. All that stuff. But sometimes there's language, in fact, very frequently, there's language in the lease that says that the tenant will pay the landlord's parking charges, which are determined from time to time, which means I they can change it. I don't think so. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not a chance. You know, we're going to agree that it's 50 bucks a month or whatever it yeah. is. You can't change it throughout the lease term without me knowing what it's going to be. That's nuts. Okay. Remeasurement of the building and compare add-on factors with that. Well, basically the idea here is that if the landlord remeasures the building in the middle of a lease term, if your lease is written in such a way that they can now come to you and say, we're going to change the square footage of your space. You thought you were leasing 5,500 square feet. Well, guess what? It's now 5,800 square feet. Well, that's a hidden cost because now you got to spend, uh, pay rent and operating expenses on another 300 square feet that you hadn't planned on. Because your pro rata factor has changed because your space compared to the total space no, is different? No, no. Well, that could be a possibility as well. That's what the add-on factor part of that is. But it could just be that you have more square footage, therefore they apply the rate per square foot, and therefore your total dollars per month going out the door is higher. Who, but Other than the sale of a building, when do you remeasure a building? I mean, that doesn't come cheap. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not that expensive. To remeasure a building back when I was on the landlord side, and we would remeasure buildings, and we remeasured every building we bought. 
uh, at that time, it was costing us about seven to eight cents per square foot to remeasure a building. So that's pretty cheap when you think about, hey, if I'm going to be able to increase the size of my building by, you know, 5% or whatever it is, that that's a great return on investment. Um, but yeah, most people don't do it except whenever they're buying a new building. You know, most landlords don't do it in the middle, but from the tenant's perspective, that sale of the building could have happened in the middle of their lease term and they have a new landlord right. who wants to adjust to the new thing. Yeah, I get that. I just can't imagine why else she would do it unless it was a sale. Yeah, it, I wouldn't think that people would. Uh, the one thing that I would say is that you got to be careful as to what's in the common area because that definition has changed over the years many times. But one of the things that landlords are now including in them are like the, the common tenant lounge or fitness centers or these conference centers that are available to all the tenants in the building. And, uh, and so if you're touring a building and the landlord says, hey, we have this great fitness center or this tenant lounge or this conference center, and it's free for the use of tenants. Well, all right, is it really free? You mean, are you telling me that you're not charging me for the per use? Or are you saying it's not even included in the operating expenses or my add-on factor? And it's usually going to be included in one of those areas. So again, it's something you should know before you sign a lease. So it shouldn't be hidden but it may be hidden because people don't ask those questions. Okay. Above standard services and explain exactly what an above standard service is. Well, typically the lease will state the services that the landlord is going to provide. So elevator service, janitorial service, five nights a week, uh, security guards, um, air conditioning from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. And on the weekends, it'll be available at, uh, on Saturday from 8 to 1 and not at all on Sunday. So those are kind of standard services. But what happens if you want something more than that? So let's say you're going to have a open house with a bunch of clients coming to a party at your office back when we did such things. And <laughs> Party? <laughs> exactly. Uh, hang on while I Google that. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> so uh, in those situations, you might need to make sure the air conditioning is running until nine or 10 o'clock. You might need to hire an additional security guard to help your customers get to their cars safely afterwards. Um, you may have a particular situation in which you want to make sure that, uh, let's say you have a really sensitive area, and so you don't want the janitors to have access to that area because of what's in there, but you still want it cleaned, but you want it cleaned during the day. Well, now that's a an above standard service because they got to bring somebody in to do this. Um, you know, even if you just want your carpets clean, not just spot clean when you spill the coffee, but if you want the whole thing clean, that's an above standard service. So there's all kinds of services like this. Uh, I mean, even even the keys and the access cards to get in the building or into your space, um, while you're thinking, how can that be an above standard service? Well, a lot of leases say, we're going to give you two keys when you move in. Or maybe they're not even going to do that. I had a client contact me just a couple of weeks ago and say, hey, is it normal for the landlord to charge me for the keys to get into the space when I first lease the building? Seriously? And I was like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Push back on them. And fortunately, they agreed to pay for it. But if he changes um, employees and decides he wants to get the space rekeyed, or if he just needs to order more keys from more employees, then yeah, that those are the kinds of things that are. So those are things that, you know, again, shouldn't be 
surprises, but they often are because people just don't think about it. No. Okay. Tenant improvement costs above allowance. Yeah, this is a big one because um, tenants are often surprised when they realize that they're going to have to pay extra money to get the space built out the way they thought the landlord was going to deliver it. And so, you know, usually when it comes to improvement costs, these should all be determined and identified before the lease is signed. But you usually are going to have one of two situations. You're going to either have what we call a turnkey finish out where you identify a scope of work and the landlord is going to, you know, build that to that scope of work and hand the keys to the tenant with those things already done. Or they're going to give the tenant an allowance, $25 a square foot, $50 a foot, whatever it is. And then the tenant's responsible for building it out in whatever way they want. And then they can apply that allowance to that. And then they pay for anything above that. Well, if they haven't, if the tenant hasn't identified, well, number one, done their plans clearly enough to where a general contractor can give them a really good bid, a hard bid, we call it, um, then they may not really know what it's going to cost. And so if you go sign a lease thinking that it's going to cost you $50 a square foot and the landlord's allowance is going to pay for it all, and then it turns out to be $60 a foot, well, you as the tenant have to pay for that additional amount. If it's a defined scope of work, then the landlord's only going to build it to that defined scope. And if you then later say, oh, you know what? It'd really look good to have granite countertops or to have wood floors or to have, you know, glass doors instead of wood doors or whatever. It's like going and looking at a model home. And then they say, now our base unit is over here and you look and it's a trailer. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You better know what's included and what's not is, is the main point here. The only the one other thing that I would say, well, really two things. The landlord in most cases has the right to make the tenant pay for any overage up front. So at the time you sign that lease, if you're going to have a build out that costs $60 a square foot and you're only getting a $50 allowance, the landlord can make you put up that 10 bucks a foot right then. <clears throat> and they do that in many cases because they want to make sure you have the money and that this is going to actually happen. You're they gonna don't be able get to, stuck with it. Well, and that you're going to be able to uh, move in on time and all the rest. The other thing I would say about... Uh, tenant improvement cost is be aware of what it's going to cost for code compliance later if it's determined that the space is not uh, built out to code. So ADA is a big example. If there's a restroom in your space and you think it's ADA compliant and it's not, then who's going to pay that cost? And again, we had this exact situation occur earlier this year. And the landlord had just built out a brand new, beautiful uh, kitchen, countertop, and uh, bathroom. And then after the tenants moved in and, you know, the lease was long since signed, they've spent all their money on improvements. Then an inspector comes in and says, oh, that countertop is an inch too high. Change it. And so they had to spend their own money to change that because the landlord wouldn't do it. And we're like, wait a minute, landlord, you should have built this according to code, compliant with code. And the landlord's like, yep, but sorry, uh, we didn't, I guess. And we thought we did. But well, let me ask then, the building owner is not compliance with ADA and right. he's the one that'll get fined. What no. does the tenant care? No, uh, because the lease says the tenant's responsible for code compliance inside their space. 
So again, that's, that's why Regardless of who finished it out. Regardless of who finished it out. Absolutely. So we tried to put in language that protects the tenant. And, and this was a lease that had been negotiated pretty heavily, very heavily, in fact. And there was a, an attorney involved on both sides. So yeah, and I mean, a hitman. Oh no, that was another one. Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> that's yet to be um, <laughs> engaged. Okay. Speaking of hitman, approval, consulting, and attorney fees. Well, there are things throughout the lease term that may come up that require the landlord to give approval to the tenant. So these would be, for example, if the tenant decides they want to sublease a portion of their space, they have to go ask the landlord for their consent. And uh, Or if they want to make some renovations, let's say they're in the fifth year of a 10-year lease and they want to freshen the place up and get new paint and carpet, maybe move a wall or two, they've got to get approval from the landlord to do that. Uh, so whenever they go and ask approval for, from the landlord for some of these things, the leases often have fees associated with it to the landlord. And and at first, you're kind of like, well, wait a minute, isn't that the landlord's responsibility to to do those kind of things? That's just part of a part of the job of a landlord to manage the building. But the landlord's argument is going to be, look, I'm doing my normal thing. This is kind of an above standard. It's not like every tenant comes to us throughout the year and says, hey, can I sublease a part of my space or can I renovate? Therefore, it's not a common expense. And we're only doing it for you because you've specifically asked us and it takes our time and effort and may require that we engage a consultant or an attorney. So I'll give you a quick example. We don't see it very much anymore, but law firms used to use these really high density filing systems. And these, so if we had a a law firm that decided they wanted to put one of those in or expand it, well, those things were unbelievably heavy. And so we would have to have a structural engineer sign off that the way they're doing it is going to be um, safe and it's not going to fall through the floor. Uh, And sometimes we even had to um, put in additional bracing under the floor to, to hold that. Well, the landlord would then in that case charge for the consulting fee, the the structural engineer, maybe an attorney to redraft some sort of document to approve all this and maybe even a little money for their time. So those are situations where renovations and sublease or assignment might come up and generate some fees. Also, if you hire an attorney, I'm sorry, if you hire a contractor to do some work in your space and you don't pay them and then they file a lien on the building, landlord's going to take a really dim view on that. (laughs) And so there will definitely be legal fees associated with that. Or if there's a default, um, you know, you've defaulted on the lease and the landlord um, has to engage an attorney, uh, again, depending on how the lease is written, there may be fees associated with, uh, that situation. Okay. How about after hours move in? Well, most of the time, that's kind of redundant. That's the only time you do get to move in is after hours. Yeah. But again, not all tenants realize that if a tenant has been in a building, let's say a flex building where they just get out of their car, walk straight into their own space, there's no elevator involved. Well, big deal. They're not inconveniencing anybody to move in. But as soon as you go into a multi-tenant, multi-story office buildings where you have to take the elevator to get to your space, well, moving in is disruptive to the building mm-hmm. and to the other tenants in the building. So the landlord's going to make you move in after hours, so after six o'clock at night or on the weekends. And if you haven't planned for that, you may have gotten a bid for moving in, but you just happened to fail to tell that mover that they're going to have to do it. 2 a.m. Exactly. <laughs> and they're going to want to charge you a tad bit more for that. Okay. How about option fees and discuss what the options are? 
Well, there's all kinds of options that can occur in a, in a lease. You can have an option to renew, an option for expansion, an option to uh, terminate the lease or contract. I mean, there's all kinds of things. So you know, the main reason I put that in here is that a lot of times uh, there are fees associated with some of those options. So, for example, in a termination or a contraction fee, a contraction option, there is usually going to be a fee to the landlord because the rent that they counted on, let's say you have a five-year lease and you have the option to terminate after three years. Well, they just had to have to lose two years worth of income in that situation. They're not going to let you just walk away without paying some sort of a fee for that right. So there's almost always a termination fee in a, um, uh, in a termination option. Uh, there also could be um, higher deposits, security deposits, and of course, constructional um, costs associated with an expansion uh, that you might have. And then uh, there's one option that the landlord has, which is called a relocation option, where the landlord can basically tell a tenant at any time, hey, I don't want you to continue officing here. I want you to move to this other floor or this other space. And while the language in the lease typically says something like the landlord will pay reasonable costs associated with the relocation, they don't always clearly define what those are, or they try to put limitations on them. They might say, well, we'll, we'll replace your, um, your stationary inventory up to $1,500. Well, is $1,500 reasonable for a you know 1,000 square foot tenant? Maybe so. But what about for a 100,000 square foot tenant? I mean, there's so there's a lot of things in the relocation option that you might want to uh, consider putting in there. Because if you have to relocate all your stuff, your furniture, your IT infrastructure, and your phones, you have to reprint everything. You have to update your website with a, your new address, all kinds of stuff. Um, there might end up being costs associated with that that aren't reimbursed by the by the landlord. Rent tax. So in Texas, we do not have a rent tax currently, but as you know, um, municipalities, state legislatures are constantly trying to find new revenue, new ways to tax people. So leases have language in them that anticipate that. And so they basically say that should there ever be a rent tax um, enacted, that's a tenant cost. So it's just like if you go buy... <clears throat> you know, a pair of shoes and they charge tax on it. Well, it's the buyer, the person purchasing the shoes that pay that tax, not the seller, the store. Same thing the landlords are saying for rent. If the legislature suddenly says, hey, we're going to charge a 5% tax on rents for whatever reason, that's a tenant cost because they're the quote purchaser of the space and not the landlord. So, this is not a problem currently, but it's something that we always have to be vigilant uh, to watch the legislature and make sure they're not trying to sneak this in. Expiration. Well, the last, this is really the last thing um, as, that I'm suggesting as a potential hidden fee uh, is uh, what happens at the expiration of the lease? Number one, are you going to move out when you say you're, you know, when the lease says you should? So if your lease expires on September 30th, and you don't move out on September 30th, and you're still there on October the 2nd, there are charges for that, and it's called holdover. And leases are typically going to put it in terms of a percentage. So you will pay 150% of whatever you'd been paying on September 30th 
on a daily basis or sometimes on a monthly basis. So you hold over one day, you have to pay for the whole month. Other times it's daily. So you want to try and write the lease as if it were a daily rate. But most, a lot of leases will, will say, you know, it's going to be two times or even three times the amount you are paying prior to expiration. And so we're always trying to reduce that down, make it more reasonable. I would say the, the consensus generally is 150%. So you basically pay whatever you were paying plus another 50%. But again, the lease can, well, should be more specific to say, is that just 150% of the base rent? And then you pay whatever you normally pay for operating expenses, or is the 150% calculated on the percentage uh, on the uh, on the expenses as well and then some leases will say the landlord will charge the 150 percent on the greater of whatever you've been paying or the market mm -hmm. so now you've been paying 20 the market's now 30 your your holdover rent now is not 150 percent of 20 which is 30 it's 150 percent of 30 which is 45 so that can be really really painful uh, so that's one kind of expense that is kind of hidden on on expiration. The other is you have a security deposit the landlord's holding and you want that money back, but you need to manage the condition of the premises as you move out. So when you move out, I recommend that you, number one, notify the, the landlord well in advance, hey, we are going to be moving out in 30 days or whatever. And then once, you know, and then you, um, you project the date you're going to move out. So again, assuming your lease expires September 30th, let's say the weekend is September 27th. So you're going to move out on the 27th. You want to have a, a meeting scheduled in advance with the property manager for Monday morning, September 30th or September 29th, whatever it is, to walk through the space with that property manager and make sure you guys agree on anything that they think is your responsibility because of normal wear and tear yeah because normal wear and tear is what you're allowed to do so you don't have to go in there and make sure that that it's in perfect condition but if you have holes in the walls and you've torn up the the flooring and the carpet's all ripped up i mean there are legitimate things that the landlord should expect you to fix and uh, and so you just want to make sure you agree on what those items are you take pictures of it and you even have the opportunity at that point to hire your own contractor to do the work because if you let the landlord do that they have no incentive whatsoever to you know save you money <clears throat> so you know there's been a number of times that i've seen landlords uh, really not, not only say we're going to keep all of the the uh, security deposit but here's your bill for the additional amount you owe on top of that and that's a that's a real rude awakening, and I've never seen a tenant you know happy about that at the end of the day. <laughs> Sounds pretty painful. Well, we would like to thank our twenty listeners for listening again to our special little podcast. It means so much to us. You can find us at texastenantrep.com, or you can call us at nine seven two six seven seven. Zero zero two eight. Yeah, to think of that one. And didn't if you? that's not the right number, Google us. <laughs> Say hello to whoever answers the phone, <laughs> and we'd appreciate it if you would uh, tell others about us. The best way to do that, of course, is leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, and please leave us a five star rating. And if you have any recommendations on topics or uh, anything you would recommend for the show, please let us know. You see, if our twenty listeners each tell one person. By next week, we could have 40 listeners. Or just 21. And then they tell. Or maybe 19. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Bye. Oh, thank you.